We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. It's not just the idea that we're, we're giving the children books to help with their reading. You know, if a science teacher needs something that goes along with their science lesson, you know, we can be facilitators of that resource. But if we're not included in that planning process or if we're if you don't know that we have those resources available, it makes it difficult for us to really amplify what is going on on the campus and in the classrooms. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Kelly Ann currently works as a librarian media specialist for both a primary and elementary school in Texas. She began her library career working in a public library and moved to teaching for two years at a private school before returning to college to become a school librarian where she has been for the past six years. In her spare time, she enjoys reading, writing poetry, photography, and spending time outdoors. And I do have to say that in doing a little bit of background research and visiting her website, uh, you're going to want to go there and check out some of the poetry that she's got on there. So welcome to the podcast, Shelly, and I appreciate you being on. Thank you for having me. And that was very kind of you to say thank you. Oh, no problem. And I, I definitely will link that up in the show notes because um, poking on your website, there's some good stuff on there. So it's, it's, uh, it's something that I think the listeners will like checking out. Thank you. I hope so. It's sort of become my way of expressing myself. And um, I really got into doing that again, more so in the pandemic. So it's kind of something I'm adding to as I go. Nice. Well, keep adding. One of the things I, I figured I'd start off with, you know, in, in your bio, I, I mentioned the idea that you were a public librarian and then you went to private school and then you went back to school and transitioned into a public librarian media specialist. Talk to us a little bit about that journey. Like what what made you want to move? Um, was there something that pushed you? What was that desire? What was it like? What was that journey like? Well, I always tell people I became a librarian by accident <laughs> because <laughs> I went to school not really knowing what I was going to do, um, but I knew I enjoyed history. So I came from a family of educators. My mom was an educator for a long time. I had aunts who were school counselors and I thought, oh, that's not really for me. I'm not going to go that route. Um, but in school, it was 
I thought, okay, I really don't know what I'm doing yet. I, I want to have something to fall back on. And at the time it was like four, four or five classes that I had to take to get certified to teach. So I thought, why not? Because it would be something I could do if I, I knew kind of what was involved. So I went ahead and got my certification. And at the time I graduated, I was looking for a full-time position and couldn't really find anything in the field that I wanted. And so my local public library was looking for somebody to hire and I needed a job and I applied and they offered it to me. And I really found that I enjoyed it a lot. I got to meet pretty much everybody in town. It was one of those things that um, it pulled me out of my shell. It allowed me to really develop those social skills that I didn't really utilize as well before because I was the front desk person. You know, when people walked in, when they needed something, I was the first person they saw. So it was good training in that aspect. Um, And I kind of worked my way up to doing a little bit of everything um, and eventually started um, sort of taking charge of the children's programming. And that brought me back to the idea that I really enjoyed working with the kids. That was something that every year I looked forward to. Um, Throughout the year, I was always excited when we would have programs with the students. So I got to thinking, okay, and I I'd always wanted to go back for my master's, but I never thought that that was really something that was feasible because of time and money. And I thought, okay, this isn't going to work. And then through a series of events, uh, things at the library kind of propelled me toward that direction. And so I started an online program and um, did my master's online, started that and In the process, uh, the state requires that you have some teaching experience, and rightfully so. Um, So I started looking for teaching opportunities, and I was applying to different places. And I had put all these applications out, and nothing was coming. You know, no interviews had come my way. I thought, okay, I'm just not going to find anything. And then I applied at a private school, and they interviewed me. And like the day I interviewed, they offered me a position, and it was for teaching science. And I thought, I don't know if I can do this, (laughs) but I did. (laughs) But because it was teaching, like four grade levels of science and different sciences. And I thought, okay, this is going to be a lot of work, but it's a good opportunity. And I need to be able to do this to further my goal. So I signed on the dotted line. And then the next day, um, I had already left the public library with the intention of, you know, kind of moving forward toward this goal. And the next day, um, one of the board members called and they're like, um, we wanted to know, would you be interested in coming back as being a library director? Because the director had resigned. And I was like, yes, but I've already started yeah. down this path. <laughs> I've already committed to this teaching. And so... And then like two days after that, I started getting calls from other districts about, would you like to come out interview for a job? I said, no, I'm going to go this, the private school route. And it was such a good experience. It has its own stresses too, uh, because there's just a different dynamic with the the students that you're working with. Um, Of course, the guidelines and, and regulations are different, but it was the kind of teaching that I remember my mom talking about what teaching used to be before, you know, all the testing and all of the data became a 
big part of the focus. It was really just engaging the students. And I loved that part of it because it was every week we were able to do labs. We were able to do activities. We could go outside. We could, you know, bring out these creative elements. Um, I really enjoyed the fact that we had a genius hour every week. And so the kids would be able to work on projects that they were passionate about. And so in the process of, you know, figuring out what I was doing with the teaching aspect of that, I was still working on my degree. And once I got certified, I started looking for school librarian jobs because I knew I loved the library aspect and I knew that I loved working with kids and I thought this will be a good mix. And so I got my first library job and I thought, okay, we'll see how this goes. And I really enjoyed it. And then now I've sort of moved up a little bit. Um, I went from a middle school librarian to now I work with the pre-K all the way up through fifth grade. And I have two wonderful ladies that work with me. And it's kind of a nice idea that now I'm part of a team. It's not just my sole responsibility. And so we can bounce ideas off of each other. Um, We really can do what is good for the kids. And these ladies have been doing this for a long time. So I appreciate their expertise. And it's made it a really good um, growing and learning experience for me because I've learned, I guess, more of the supervisory role in this. And I've also gained some knowledge about uh, what they bring to the table because they know the children that we're working with and I'm getting to know them better. And so we're hoping that we're going to be able to continue to grow the program. And where I am, we just went one-to-one last year. So hoping to be able to incorporate more technology elements into the library space because I want it to become a place where it's more than just what the stereotypical idea of the library is. And for most people, that is just a place to come and check out books. Um, But I want it to be more of an information hub. You know, I always look at it as the library is a facilitator of information a place where people can come not only to get the physical elements of things that they're looking for, but also to learn about how to access all of the the wealth of digital information that we have. But then I also like the idea of incorporating like the STEAM or STEM activities because it really gets the kids thinking about literature in a different way. So that's kind of my goal. Cool. So you, I mean, you mentioned a, a ton of things on your on your journey through, but um, one of the things that really kind of stuck out to me near the end of that was the idea of part of a team and how you want to make the library much more than what people may think libraries are, where you just check out books. You want it to be all encompassing. So how can leaders better support you in that endeavor? How can they how can they support you to be able to feel part of a team? Because sometimes, maybe even oftentimes, librarians kind of get left out of the mix when we're talking about teachers and what we're doing for teachers. Well, you're teachers and you're working with teachers. So how do how do leaders make that a better experience for you and support you? I think the biggest thing for me is making an effort to include your librarian or your library worker in the planning. Make sure to allow them the opportunity to advertise and reach out to people in your community and in on your campus even. And really 
give them the freedom and the resources necessary to bring these ideas to life. Because a lot of places, I mean, when I first started where I am now, that's one thing that I've had to kind of really revamp some of the ideas that I've brought to the table because we haven't had the resources up until now, especially on the technology side of things. But I have been fortunate that I've had leadership that is open to ideas So when I said, hey, I want to try to do this, I want to make this a little bit different, it's slowly coming together. But it's really more about, I think, making that effort to remember that these people bring something that can be beneficial to everyone on campus. It's not just the idea that we're we're giving the children books to to help with their reading. You know, if if a science teacher needs something that goes along with their science lesson, you know, we can be facilitators of that resource, but if we're not included in that planning process, or if we're, if you don't know that we have those resources available, it makes it difficult for us to really amplify what is going on on the campus and in the classrooms. So I think my biggest thing is as administration or whatever leadership is at the top, make that effort to listen to and be open to the ideas that people bring to the table and help them promote the the resources they have available. Because most librarians I know would be glad to help any teacher with any kind of resources or even um, tying lessons into what is going on in the classroom to reinforce what's being learned there. But a lot of times teachers are overwhelmed or they don't know about what's available. And so they don't know to ask. And if you don't know, it's not going to be utilized. So I think that's the biggest thing is learning to listen and being open to inclusion. Excellent. So are you, would you even suggest, say, a leader has the librarian speak at a faculty meeting or at department meetings at the the secondary level just to show what resources are available? Or do you think it would need to be more of a hands-on thing where maybe it's something that's required as part of the schedule where teachers bring students down? I mean, we have, like my school, for example, we have a week and a half or two weeks of teachers just bringing students down to the library for a library orientation. And it's just freshman classes. Those types of activities? I think that... um the idea of them meeting with teachers at a scheduled time, whether it's a, a faculty meeting, a, a PLC meeting, um, I think that's important um, because it does, even if it's just for, you know, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, just enough to where a librarian can come in and say, here's some resources available. And like most librarians I know, um, I've done this for my campus. Um, they will put together, whether it's a literature of some sort or maybe a website or something that outlines what the library can offer. So it doesn't necessarily have to take up a whole lot of time from an administrative perspective, but just the fact that you can be face-to-face with the people who need to know what's going on and remind them that, hey, we have this available for you. I think it's also important with the students, especially at the secondary level, because I hear people a lot talk about how it's difficult to draw the students in. And, And part of it is time. Part of it is scheduling. Part of it is the way that things are structured. But I think the more effort that is made to showcase what is available, the more effort that is made to create that open 
and inviting space, the more participation you can get. And the I used to work with a lady in the public library and it used to kind of drive me nuts because in the children's section, you could go like, you know, you might spend 30 minutes or an hour straightening items, getting everything back in order. Within less than 10 minutes, it could be just chaos. And it used to just really bother me because I was like, I just spent all this time on this. And she looked at me one day and she said something I will never forget. She said, why are you stressing so much? She said, this is proof that these resources are being utilized and that's a good thing. And so that that's always stayed with me that the more that you have going on, it may, it may look chaotic, but the point is to utilize those resources, to get people in, to get them interested in what you have to offer. And like you had mentioned earlier about, you know, creating a space to where it brings all of these additional things for students or for teachers that they might not have thought of um, because libraries are evolving. But I think they're evolving faster than the perception of libraries is evolving because the perception tends to be the old time thought of, well, that's just the place where the kids go check out books. But I think the more opportunities leadership can give a librarian or the person who is in charge of your library space to talk to the people that are involved in it, whether it is the teachers or the students or just the entire campus, the better. And I've seen, you know, throughout the year, a lot of times librarians will send out, you know, little newsletters. Hey, this week in the library, we've got this going on. Just things that are little reminders along the way that, hey, don't forget, we're still here. If you need help, we're here to help you. That's awesome. I I love the idea that you mentioned perception because what you were talking about, especially that example you gave where the messiness is proof that the resources are being used. So it's a positive rather than negative. And it's about shifting perspective. So, you know, leaders in buildings, I think it's important that they help facilitate that shift in perspective as to what, what purpose the library serves in a school. And do you have any ways that you would think of that would help shift that perspective. I mean, we see libraries as, yes, books, yes, places to get work done, things like that. But I know I'm undergoing a transformation in my library right now where it's flexible seating, flexible meeting space, different things going on. How can we support, or actually it's more engage our teaching staff into the broader vision of what libraries not necessarily used to be or even are, but what they could be. I think that it starts with, you know, figuring out how you can tie what is being offered in the library space to other elements in your building. So for example, recently I attended a meeting where another district was revamping their high school library. And part of what stuck out to me is the idea that they were creating not only what you would call a maker space area, but they were bringing in um, different people from the community. They were, it, it, like, for example, they mentioned one time where they, I think they were studying something in one of the history classes that related to a certain time frame, and they had a person that 
creates pottery that was familiar with the type of pottery that was made during that time frame. They brought them in and they had them do demonstrations in the library for those students. And they were able to tie that pottery lesson back into what they were studying in history class for their science classes. They had different people in different fields that were able to come in and show case um, different activities that helped to relate, again, back to what was being studied in science. They even had things that were, I guess, what you would consider the non-traditional things. Um, I remember she said that they had a lady who was really good at sewing and wanted to come and be a part of the what was going on at the school and so she called her in and she did some I guess what you might call little mini workshops with students who were interested but it could be tied back into something they were studying in I think it was either history class or it might have been English as well um, because she related that to that particular time period and the types of clothing that were made and so really it's it's bringing those elements that are already taking place in the classroom, but expanding upon them in the library. And I think that is like one of the best ways to really change the perception of it. And when you're able to bring in these people that are involved in the community, and especially with these specialized skills, um, she pointed out like with the sewing, because they didn't really offer, I guess, what we might have at one time called home ec or, or something <laughs> like that. She said a lot of the students were fascinated and captivated with the idea of learning how to sew because they'd never really been experienced um, something like that before. And so it seems like something very simple. And in reality, it kind of is. But it also gives that community a different perspective of the school library as well. And of course, COVID affected a lot of that. But now as we're transitioning back into, uh, I guess, what we might call the new normal, um, that's something I think that leadership can work with whoever's running the library to try to reach out. And even if you can't do people in the community, uh, reach out to your teachers that maybe like to do these different activities with their students. Figure out, like, I know at one point when I was at the library in my last district, uh, one of the science teachers was studying circuits. And so as part of what I knew they were working on that, we had some snap circuits in the library. So I found a book that related. We did a short lesson. They got to play with the snap circuits. And it reinforced what they were already doing in the classroom. It didn't take a whole lot of extra effort, but it stuck with them because I had kids coming in. They're like, oh, I remember we did that in science class. Or they would go back to their science teacher. Hey, guess what we did in the library today? And it really just kind of can make everything blend together to where you're supporting the ideas and the objectives that are going on in the classroom. I love the idea that you you ended that talking about snap circuits, because I think of circuits and I think of open circuits and closed circuits and how they kind of close the loop. You just described closing the loop on your educational community, making it all tie together with the library and the classroom. So that was that was excellent. Look, you, you're mentioning a lot of things. I do want to take a break to hear from our sponsors, but um, I definitely, when we come back, I want to talk to you about what you see a library, what it should be 
for students and teachers and your idea of that. So we'll be right back after these sponsors. And we're back with Shelly Ann and we're, we're talking a lot about libraries and, and not necessarily getting caught up or, or the need to get rid of the perspective of the old library with the dusty bookshelves that will last longer than the building itself. That is just a place for checking out books and things like that to what libraries not even necessarily are, but could be. And, um, you know, along those lines, what do you feel, what's your vision for what a library should look like for students and teachers in schools? I think I would describe it as a facilitator of resources. Um, I think that the more that you can integrate the resources that are available in your library, um, incorporate different things and different elements that will make it so that your library can enhance what's already going on on your campus. I think that's the goal. Um, That's going to look different on each campus. Um, An elementary is going to look different than a, a secondary campus, but it's really making the library like a hub of information. You know, when a teacher needs a resource, when a student needs a resource, when they need assistance with something, when there's a way to amplify a lesson, if there's, um, I know in, in my library, we have just odds and ends of materials. I have Legos, I have um, pieces of cardboard. I have just random things that I've incorporated into essentially a makerspace. And I think that when you can utilize that or even make it available for teachers to come down and utilize as part of what they're doing, I think it changes the perspective and the dynamic of what the library can be. Because for most people, You tend to believe it's just a place where you can come and get the physical resources. Um, It's also important, I think, that people can visualize that your librarian or your library space can be a place where students can also learn the importance of how to navigate digital resources. A lot of librarians are very knowledgeable about how to utilize different tools when it comes to technology and the the different programs and tools available. But it tends to get overlooked sometimes because of that old perspective. Um, They don't really stop and think, well, the librarian can help me with this. Um, And I think the more that people can reach out and it becomes more of a community effort and not just one-sided, you know, everybody in the school community can work to change what the library is becoming. Because in my opinion, the best use of the library is being able to utilize those resources that are at hand to amplify the learning that's going on elsewhere. Because you will have lessons in your library. You will teach the children something when they're there. But if you can also help build upon what they're learning in other environments, it becomes not only a place they're going to go to for resources, but it becomes a place they want to be because they understand how it relates. That is... That's such a great vision. It really, it actually makes me feel better about what I'm trying to accomplish with my own library at my high school, where I've been using that word, the hub. I want it to be the center of activity for the school. 
And actually, one of the phrases I use is that I want it to create a problem for me. The problem I want it to create for me is that I have to figure out how to supervise and find extra personnel to put in there because this, there are so many students in there. So that's uh, that vision is so well so well laid out. As we move on and get closer towards the end of the podcast, I have two questions that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast. The first one is if you weren't in education, who, not what would you be? Honestly, I think that I still would classify myself as a teacher or a leader because I think to a certain extent we all are because our actions have an impact on those around us, whether we realize it or not. We just have to decide how hard we want to work to ensure that it's a positive impact. It's one of those things that as a educator, I've grown in leadership skills out of necessity, but I think everybody has that element within them. It's just perhaps they haven't been given the opportunity to showcase it. And so regardless of what I would be doing profession-wise, I think that I would always have that need to amplify others because I think that's what drew me into education is helping those that don't necessarily feel seen or heard or valued to let them know that someone's there to support them. That's a perfect answer for for so many reasons on so many levels about amplifying others, supporting others, and that whole empowering piece. That's, I thank you for that. The, The last question is what's the most important or best piece of advice you can give to leaders as they work to better support engage and empower those they lead? I would say making an effort to authentically listen as well as extending grace and trust um, goes a long way toward helping to support and empower others. A lot of times we listen to respond instead of listening to understand. And too often, I think that that leads to people not feeling like their voice is heard. And when they don't feel like their voice is heard, your goal as a team or as a unit or as a school um, is compromised because people need to know that what they're doing matters. And so just taking an effort to really listen um, and understand where they're coming from, to allow them a voice and some choice and some things that are going on is going to give them that that empowerment to want to provide more ideas, to want to work as part of the team, to want to amplify what they're doing so that it better works toward the goals that are at hand. Fantastic. You know, you've, you've said a ton about amplifying today um, as that, I mean, that came through loud and clear about the idea of what libraries can be moving to and, um, you know, should be moving to, but that whole perception of what they can be moving to and um, how to support that. So I really appreciate you coming on. What's the, what's the best way for people to reach out and get in touch with you if they want to hear more? I would say probably Twitter is like my go-to <laughs> <laughs> because I've learned so much from others and it's just, I, I'm actively involved in a lot of education related chats and things. Um, so that would be a, a way for them to kind of reach out. And also, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast, I do have a little bit of a website. <laughs> so you can kind of um, reach out as well there if they're interested. 
and don't be shy. There's good, there's good writing on there. Don't be shy about it. Well, thank um, you. I appreciate that. The, um, and I'll, I'll link that stuff up in the show notes and I'll put your Twitter link, Twitter handle in the show notes so people can reach out. But, um, again, really, I, you know, I just from our half hour of talking here, I've, I've learned quite a bit and, um, you know, it, it helps me reflect on the direction that we should be moving in to better support, engage and empower libraries and, and librarians. So I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Dr. C.S. Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.